Amen. Praise God. Thank you for moving, Lord. I want you to get out your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. And Mikey, I don't have any control over that, so you're going to have to hand, you're going to have to help me through the whole thing. Acts chapter 13. I want to encourage you to open up your hearts and to your spirit. This is going to be a kind of a double-edged sword this morning. One, to give you some encouragement of how to share the gospel to someone. But two, I believe we're going to have a little bit of a wake-up call this morning. Acts chapter 13, verse 14. Do we have that? Wow. Okay. If you can't read it, get out your own Bible. I'm going to start on the Sabbath, the second line. On the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue for the services. After the usual readings from the book of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. I love that. That's what happened this morning. But I want you to notice that as they're in church, it's just service as usual. They've gone through their normal stuff, and now they're saying, does someone have a word? Right? Yes. Okay. Verse 16. So Paul stood, lifted his hand to quiet them, and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. So I want to encourage you. Listen. Don't check out. Listen. Verse 17. The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Then with a powerful arm, he led them out of their slavery. He put, up with their 40, he put up with them 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Verse 19. Then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After that, God gave them judges to rule until, some t- until the time of Samuel the prophet. Verse 21. Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned 40 years. 22. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own, par- own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Verse 23. And it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Before he came, John the Baptist preached to all the people of Israel that all the people of Israel needed to repent of their sins and turn to God and be baptized. As John was finishing his ministry, he asked, Do you think I am the Messiah? No, I am not, but he is coming soon. And I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the sandals on his feet. Now, before I finish this, pa- this passage, I want you to catch what's happened here. He has given, Paul has given them a little bit of a history lesson. This is what's happened from the creation of time until Jesus has come. And I think that sometimes we overthink the gospel and go ahead and just give them the facts. If you didn't know, the earth was created, all this mess happened, and here's how Jesus came. So he's sharing the, go- sharing the gospel with them. You're going to see it in just a second. Verse 26. Brothers, you sons of Abraham, and also you God-fearing Gentiles. Who does that include? All of us. It includes the Jews and the Gentiles. It includes us all. So this message is for us. He is speaking to us. The message of salvation has been sent to us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as one of the prophets prophets had spoken about. 
Instead, they condemned him, and in doing this, they fulfilled the prophet's words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him today, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. Did you hear what it said? They had no reason to go after him, but they did it anyway. I want you to know that that's where our world is today. People don't know why they're condemning Jesus, but they just do. They don't have any reason for it. They just do it. Does anybody experience that out in the world? People are, when you try to share the gospel, they just give you all these reasons, but they don't really understand. People today don't know him, but they speak against him. Verse 29. I'm almost done. When they had done all the prophecies, when they had done all that the prophecies had said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. Now, uh, Paul is still talking, he's still giving this salvation message. But God raised him from the dead, and over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone with him to Galilee from Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. People that claim that Jesus isn't real. I want you to know that Jesus is the most written about person in history. We're talking here now about accounts of people seeing him. We also have four accounts of his gospel in the Bible. Four different people that witnessed it. It has been proven. So if you, can, if you can take those that start to claim that Jesus isn't real, then our, our argument is it's been proven. There are accounts of people seeing him. This really isn't debatable. There is history that shows. You can go back into religious history or you can go back into worldly history and see the story of Jesus. He's real. So can you see, Paul is just knocking down every wall. And now, verse 32. I hope y'all can see it. I don't know where it is. And now we are here to bring you this good news. The promise was made to our ancestors, and now God has fulfilled it it for us, their descendants, by raising Jesus. This is what the second psalm says about Jesus. You are my son. Today I've become your father. That is to the Jews and to the Gentiles. He is, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, God is your father. For God has promised to raise him from the dead, not leaving him to rot in the grave. He said, I will give you the sacred blessing I promised to David. Another psalm explains it more fully. You will, not allow, you will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. This is not a reference to David. For after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. Do you see that if people wanted to take that scripture and tie it to David, Paul just undid that. David rotted in the grave. Jesus didn't. He's not talking about David. Verse 37, no, it was a reference to someone else, someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay. Verse 38, brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Be careful, don't let the prophet's words apply to you, for they said, Look, you mockers, be be amazed and die, for I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Let's pray. 
Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you for the good news, the message, the salvation message. And Lord, that wants to sound so, so churchy, so religious, but it isn't. It is the message of being saved. It is how we are to be rescued. Those of you that are here this morning that are needing to be rescued, this is how. I just thank you, Lord. I ask you, Lord, that the, the hardest hearts today be softened. That the deaf ears hear. That the blind eyes would see. And that our closed minds would be open. Open our hearts to hear your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first part of the message, I just want to encourage you. This is a great way to share the gospel. Simple. To the point. But I believe the key to this scripture is that we are here to pro pro proclaim that through this man Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Forgiveness for my sins. We all say that. Forgiveness for my sins. As I was pondering over this this week, I felt like just the Spirit of God just say, my people don't get it. My people don't get it. The word forgive, and I know you know this, and this is not your normal forgiveness uh, message today. To forgive, the word forgive means to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, a flaw, or a mistake. To stop feeling anger towards someone who has done something wrong. To stop blaming someone. To stop feeling anger about something. To forgive someone for something wrong. Or to stop requiring a payment of money that is owed. A debt. But what I want to talk to you today is this scripture is not about you forgiving your neighbor. This scripture is about as you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive the forgiveness of your sins. We sit here and try to white knuckle forgiving each other, and we can't. How many of you have forgiven? How many of you have been saved? You got saved. I got saved at five years old, got baptized in the Holy Spirit at 17 years old, went stupid, got smart, went stupid again, got smart. It's kind of been a roller coaster, you know, of, of ups and downs. But still, to this day, I have to go back and forgive people. And something that I started to notice is the forgiveness of my sins, my mistakes, my past. My sins really affect my future. It affects my decisions. It affects my direction and my attitude. But when I truly accept and believe and walk as a follower of Christ, really, there is forgiveness for my sins. I can really let it go. Not only that, the next part of the scripture says that we are made right with God. I can tell you, even as a pastor, 
I feel like so many times I'm not right. You know what's happened is I've caused a break in my belief. There has been a breakdown in that communication, in that flow of the Spirit of God, the love of God. Because he hasn't broken. That flow from him hasn't broken, but the flow to him, the flow in me and through me has somehow gotten messed up with a thought, with a circumstance, with an issue, and I've gotten off track. But I believe that so many have received Christ and have come to an altar, but, but walked back home with their sin, causing their life to still be directed by what they've done, not by what God's done for you. When I go to the cross, my sins are paid for. And they are removed as far as the east is to the west. Did I point the right way? East is to the west. You know how far that is? It's farther than I can go grasp. They're gone. But how many of you right this second can think of everything you, or everything, the big stuff you've done wrong? And then if you think about it, how much are, have, have those things that you've done and you've continued to kind of carry them around changed your decisions? I'm not good enough to take this job. I'm not good enough to help right here. I'm not good enough to be a husband. I'm not good enough to be this type of wife. I'm not good enough. Everything, everybody say everything. Everything belongs to God. Everything. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Everything that's in your future belongs to God. It's in his hands. It's in his control. It's not your past. It's not even you. It's God. So why not base our life based on what he thinks? What he thinks about me. Isn't that really all that matters? I will tell you, eventually, the world will line up with it. It may take a while, but the world will line up with the kingdom of God. God's in control. That will never change. Unfortunately, we come to this point of the forgiveness of sins, but we hang on to it. And I believe that this is an absolute, absolute freedom message. It's time, church, that we grasp this. I want to ask you, how are you? Are you living in regret? Believing in your past? That you're just that way? Previous relationships? Bad relationships? Marriages? Grades? Decisions? Lies? Sins? Maybe you broke the law? I believe in a way, receiving forgiveness, I, I believe that forgiveness is a thought it is, a, it is accepting a belief. To be able to receive forgiveness is to believe that Jesus really has forgiven me and I can leave it, not to pick it back up. And it is accepting that I'm forgiving and my actions proving 
that I believe and want the God, what God says, what His Scripture says about me, and not what my past says about me. It's, it's, guys, is it not almost too good to be true? I sit here today and still think about things I've done in my past and think, I don't know that I can ever get free of that. And, and the Lord would say, but look what I did. I paid the ultimate price for you to let go of that. Why can't you? Because I believe there is a disconnect in my knowing God. I believe the church has a disconnect of really knowing God. If you're holding on to your past, we have got a disconnect problem. Once we can really accomplish this, then we realize we can really, truly forgive others. When I can really receive forgiveness for what I've done, because I've done a lot, then I can actually consider forgiving what you've done. It becomes natural. It becomes the way I was created to react to a hurting person. But when I hold on to my forgiveness, I'll hold on to your issues. If I can't let go of mine, I won't let go of yours. My thoughts and my actions prove whether or not I'm hanging on to my past. When I hold a debt against my wife, it proves that I've got a disconnect with God. You guys hear me? The issue is not the person that's hurt you. It's got to always come back to you. You cannot control the other person. All you can do is control you. We're not talking today about forgiving the other person, but if you're struggling with that part, then I want you to come back to your relationship to the Lord. Because this is not something we have to sweat blood and tears to be able to do. God paid that price on the cross for us so that we would not have to suffer through that part. When our ability to forgive someone is too much for us to do, something has dammed up the river. The river of joy, the river of life, living free, truly, and abundantly. What I'm talking about today is living in the real freedom of forgiveness. Really receiving the love that God has for you. Not playing church. Receiving God's love. My dad, every single time I messed up, and let me tell you, as a high schooler, I messed up over and over and over and over. Had cars taken away, had privileges taken away, and let me just tell you, I was just stupid, dumb, rebellious. But somehow, every single time, he forgave me. And I never felt like he held it against me, ever. I never felt like every time I walked back into his presence, he remembered everything I did wrong. 
My dad wasn't perfect. My dad isn't perfect. But I can tell you, he always forgave me. And it gave me an incredible picture of how to forgive and how to put stuff behind and let's have another chance. And he was always the first one to give me another chance. My mom, another story. My mom's wonderful at forgiving also, but you know, there's, there's always good cop, bad cop. And it always wasn't that, in different situations, my dad was the bad cop. So anyway, you know, talk about that later. You may have baggage in your life where people didn't forgive you, your parents didn't, maybe even still holding unforgiveness. I want you to know that there is one way to overcome that. And that is to be filled with the love of God. And for that hurt to be forced out. Jesus' love will force out that pain. Sometimes it's a little hard to walk through it and to get it out. But he will force that out. It can't stay. His love, when he fills us, he fills us with joy. With peace. He fills us with love. And he fills us with an ability to love somebody that is unlovable. By the way, to the world, you're unlovable. To the Lord, you're completely without a speck of, um, in a, of dirt, completely loved, pure. And your sins are forgiven. They have been paid for once and for all. Receiving this love so much that it transforms you. Who you are. We use this word a lot, but I want this to sink in. Redeemed. Who you were is no longer. You have been redeemed to someone that is forgiven and made right with God. Changed. Your decisions are different. Your lenses are different. Really different. If you find yourself today still bound from your past, you can't move from your past. You're, da you're damaged. The gates are open, but you can't walk out. If you're bound from bad relationships, maybe you had a bad marriage and you're just waiting for the next one to go bad. Maybe you're bound up, and because you're bound up, you're bounding others up. It's time for you to slow down and come back to Acts chapter 13 and really receive your forgiveness. Jesus Christ went to the cross because he loves you and because he still loves you. And you may say, Pastor, I missed that boat. No, you didn't. There's something awesome about God as his doors open. He's been waiting for you. You may have ran off, but he's never stopped looking for you. He is waiting for you to come back and to be cleansed again. We took communion this morning. I want to encourage you. If you're struggling with your own forgiveness, you need to get to know God. Get in the word. Pray. Ask for help. 
get around people that encourage you and don't condemn you. Get away from the people that make you feel bad about everything you've ever done. Get away from them. And get around people that forgive you, that still speak truth to you. People will still tell me where I've messed up, still say, hey, you're kind of missing it right here, but I love you, and I'm not going to run from you. But hey, you got a, you got a booger hanging out of your nose. Thanks. I didn't know. It's time to really get free. Do you need to get free? Can we just bow our heads, and I'm going to pray, and I just want to just for a moment just ask you, are you still struggling with your own forgiveness? In church, be honest with yourself. You're not fooling anybody. Be honest with yourself. I just want to ask you right now just to, just to say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. Will you say that with me? Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. My past is behind me. Lord, you can have it. I don't want it. I thank you, Jesus, for the blood that you shed for me. And Lord, I ask you to help me get to know you so well that I feel this love. And this love forces out this pain of my past. Once and for all, I speak freedom over this body. Freedom that you have provided that we receive today. Lord God, we receive your freedom of forgiveness today. And I just break the bondage of unforgiveness. Your word says that we can bind in heaven and we can bind on earth and we can loose in heaven and we can loose on earth. And right now in Jesus' name, I loose freedom and I bind bondage of unforgiveness. Freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We all stand up with me. Now, you got to walk. You got to walk. Do not let your past dictate your future. Your future is dictated by God. He says, For I have plans for you, says the Lord. Plans of hope and a future to prosper you. Get in the Word, get connected to one another. Come to Wednesday night meal and let's connect. Amen. And let's have the best week we've ever had a week of freedom, a week of forgiveness. Amen. God bless you. You guys have a great week.